It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Cleveland. This is the Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. I have some very happy music in the background because this is a time for celebration. The Cleveland Browns have just clinched a spot in the AFC playoffs. Uh, we have Lindy Hop music in the background. That is courtesy of Free Sound Music. Thank you very much, guys. I used to love Lindy Hop. In fact, I'd like to have a shout out to my old dance partner, Rhonda. She's out there somewhere. We used to do that every weekend back when I was a, well, I wouldn't say a swinging bachelor, but maybe in my mind I was. Rhonda was much, much, much better than I was at dancing. But anyway, Maybe we can be dancing in celebration for the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs. But uh, I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about the future of the Cleveland Browns, specifically the salary cap future. And it's sparked because the Denver Broncos decided that they are going to jettison their quarterback, Russell Wilson, because of an unacceptable to them salary cap situation. And something like that is going to happen to the Cleveland Browns in a couple years. The Broncos have decided that they are going to endure in 2024 and 2025. And it may be the Cleveland Browns' turn in about 2025 and 2026. Let's talk about it. And um, let me adjust my sound here a little bit. Thank you once again, Free Sound Music. And I'm going to share my screen with those of you that have video via YouTube. Others will just have sound, and that'll be okay. I can talk to that also. I'm going to present my uh, slides. And dum-dum-dum. 
No, I'm not. I'm going to present. Share a screen. And the window, here it is. And slideshow from beginning. And I'm calling this Bronco's Death Spiral with Russell Wilson foretells the Browns' future. It is a grim and gory uh, story for Broncos fans, and it's going to be even worse for Browns fans. Now, what has happened? The Denver Broncos have decided to part ways with Russell Wilson. I don't know if this had anything to do with the blow-up on the sidelines between uh, Coach Sean Payton and Russell Wilson the other day. We don't know what that was about. They weren't really telling what it was about. But anyway, there was some kind of dispute. And um, I think maybe the salary cap might have had something to do with it, but I don't think they were really worried about that during the game. But anyway, they uh, have only spent $39 million. Yeah, only $39 million. I'd like to have only $39 million in cap charges in two years of Russell Wilson in 2021 and 2022. That's not even the extension that he signed. You'll recall that the John Elway front office signed Russell to that extension because they wanted to have what now? A franchise quarterback. They can't win without the franchise quarterback. And you'd think, well, you know, I guess we can understand why John Elway would think that way because he was the franchise quarterback. I would say that John Elway was probably the best quarterback that I've ever seen uh, in his time period, certainly. Uh, prior to John Elway, I thought that Terry Bradshaw was the, you know, maybe uh, tied with Roger Staubach for the best quarterbacks that played when, when uh, I was around that I saw with my own two little eyes. But anyway, so they had a massive contract for Russell, but his contract was not fully guaranteed. It was not of the same scale as our quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, but the Broncos can get out for $39 million versus the cap in 2024, and then $66 million versus the 2025 cap. And so that means a total of $105 million for, uh, uh, for uh, Russell to not play. $105 million over two years to not play. Now, the penalty for next year is not that outrageous. The place where it gets really nasty is in 2025. The hope is that the salary cap allowance will continue to grow thanks to increased profits in the NFL, and also we hope for, we, the NFL community, hopes for lousy financial management at the national level so that we can have high inflation, which causes the salary cap to go up. It follows the national economy as well as the actual profits of the NFL. Now, uh, the total, total investment would be $144 million for two years' work. And that's kind of crazy. Bad, bad, bad investment. Now, fans, I don't think, of course, you can do whatever you want. Feel the way that you want to feel. I don't really think it's Russell Wilson's fault. He just said yes. Nobody, you know, he had no way of forcing the Broncos to give him money. 
the Broncos front office, and really this is John Elway's fault, they're the ones that gave him the money or that offered him the money, and he just signed for it. Um, their front office made this terrible deal, and they've been replaced, rightfully so. Uh, it's not the player's fault for earning a lot of money. It's the Broncos front office that basically spent like drunken sailors and ruined their cap structure for the next several years. Okay, well, all right. Uh, so, you know, the Broncos are going to be broke for the next couple of years, and they spent a lot of uh, draft capital uh, along with it. They had to give up draft picks to Seattle in order to pry loose Russell Wilson, which is crazy. They also gave up some very good players, um, Noah, Noah Fant for one, and then also uh, they also gave up uh, the uh, starting quarterback that Seattle uh, now features. Uh, that was not so good either. But Okay, so they did that. But Deshaun Watson's deal is $230 million guaranteed. Guaranteed means guaranteed. So when, you know, fans, don't say we're going to cut Deshaun Watson and not pay him because that's not going to happen. That cannot happen. It is a legal requirement that the Cleveland Browns have to pay $230 million unless you can get some lawyer to prove that there's been a breach of contract somehow. If Deshaun Watson, I don't know, robs a bank or something, or maybe you can find that there's some kind of moral lapse that he has that would free the Browns from their responsibility to pay him that $230 million. That would be unbelievable if that were to happen. But, okay, so unless something crazy happens, they're on the hook for the full $230 million. Um, there is, And remember also that the contract is uh, backloaded that they didn't pay very much last year. It was only $10 million last year, and um, like $19 million this year. So they're only $29 million into it. There's $201 million that remains to be paid on his deal over the next three seasons. Ooh. So that means... That even, you know, they've restructured the deal, uh, as was their right uh, for this season. But if they were to release him this season, say that they decided, oh, we, we want to have Joe Flacco be the quarterback. Well, okay, great. If you were to do that, the Browns would be charged $156 million in 2024 against the salary cap. And then only 45 million in 2025. That's impossible. You can't do that. You cannot have 156 million dollars against the salary cap, which people estimate now to be about 240 million. And you you can't have two thirds of the cap just go down the drain. That there is no way that the Browns could actually make that happen. So they will pay down his deal in 2024 to the tune of 64 million dollars or they probably will actually restructure that deal give him another year and try to reduce that amount from 64 to something that's more manageable let's say 35 million or something like that he will be the quarterback 
2024. I should have said 2024. Those who have visual, I said 2025. I meant 2024. And uh, if they do decide that they want out of his contract, it won't be until 2025 at the earliest. And uh, if they decide, even if they decide to release him in 2025, it would mean that they would have to take a $110 million cap hit in 2025 with a $27 million cap hit in 2026. That is uh, reasonably affordable in 2026, but that cap hit in 2025 would be immense. There would, there would have to be a lot of restructuring, a lot of magical maneuvering, basically, in order to try to fit that kind of cap hit uh, for one year. A lot of people have tried to say that, oh, the cap, hit, the cap is not real. We'll just restructure things and get around it. It's not that simple. Uh, you can't hide $110 million when the salary cap is as, you know, even when the salary cap is in excess of uh, $250 million, which it probably will be by that time. $110 million is just too big to sweep under the rug. I'm sorry. That's not possible. Hey, so here again, don't blame Deshaun Watson, please. Blame the Browns front office. In fact, I can't understand if it was really Andrew Berry that made this deal. I'm sure that Andrew Berry was interested in Deshaun Watson, but to actually spend this kind of money guaranteed i just wonder if there was owner intervention or what because it's really insane one of the weird stats that i'd like to cite for you is that prior to patrick mahomes and the chiefs winning the super bowl last season nobody no quarterback no team had ever won the super bowl while paying more than 13.1 percent of its salary cap to one player and that was Steve Young, who uh, received 13.1% of the cap allowance. Uh, I think that was 1994, the first year that the salary cap was instituted. 13.1% was the record for years and years until finally it was broken by Patrick Mahomes actually smashed, who went way beyond 13.1%, and, and he was paid... Uh, 17.1%. Uh, I think he was in the high 30s of millions of dollars, but it's not the actual dollar amount that's important. It's the percentage of the cap that's really important. It's not just inflationary that we're talking about here. How much of the real uh, value of the team, the payroll, is the quarterback actually getting? Deshaun Watson next season, if, if the, the contract is not restructured, He's scheduled to get 26.5%. In other words, twice as high percentage-wise as uh, Steve Young, the Hall of Famer, in 1994. That's just unbelievable. It just doesn't make any sense to overpay by a factor of two. So holy cow. Uh, in addition to overpaying, let's not forget that the Browns gave up three number one draft picks. Oh, who needs number one draft picks? Well, every team needs number one draft picks. They gave up a round three, two round fours, a total of six draft picks overall. Now, the Browns do get back a round six pick, so I'm sure it's going to be the next Tom Brady. 
but you get the idea. They gave up a lot of draft capital. This, too, is nuts. This is one of the worst trades in NFL history. Um, and, uh, by the way, uh, other bad news is that the cap for 2024 had been estimated at around 250-some-odd million. 256 was being thrown around for a while. But now they're saying, no, we think it's going to be more like $242 million. It's a lot lower than previous estimates. And uh, the Browns have commitments right now, right now, for $274 million. And that does not include the practice squad, nor does it include replacements for injuries. So the Browns are overspent for uh, 2024, even with rolling over the unspent money from this year. So they're going to have to cut people, uh, and they don't have that many contracts they can cut, because remember, they've got a lot of contracts where they had the uh, first-year bargain, and then next year they have... Uh, an increase in the contractual obligation to the player, and those contracts are guaranteed. So they have a lot of guaranteed money that's making up the bulk of that uh, $274 million, and they can't really cut that much. They will have to uh, restructure or cut some $40 million worth of current deals. Uh, so basically the simple solution is that, well, can we restructure Deshaun Watson one more time? And hopefully that's what they're going to do. That way they can reload and still have a season in 2024. I think that's what's going to happen. So I don't want to be too doom and gloom, but I just want to explain that the magnitude of this problem is huge, and eventually they're going to run out of room, um, and especially if they decide that they're done with Deshaun Watson and they want to release him, then they're going to have to pay up uh, and there will be a massive salary cap charge when they do. It's going to be on the order of, of like $100 million if they decide that, um, well, we'd rather not have Deshaun Watson be the quarterback for some reason, whatever that reason is. Either they think they've got somebody better uh, or you know they just think he doesn't have it anymore, whatever the reason might be. Okay, I want to take a break. Uh, first of all, I want to have a public service message for a Browns charity. This is called Build the Bridge. Uh, this is another very interesting thing that the Cleveland Browns have started where they attempt to create interactions between school football teams and recognizing that different high schools have different cultures. And so they take uh, football teams from different let's say, um, backgrounds, you know, different socioeconomic demographics and different racial compositions, and they introduce them uh, to other high schools that have completely different makeups and kind of get them to dialogue with each other and have uh, interactions with athletes from the different schools. And um, I think it's, you know, it's gotten very high uh, marks, very good reviews, and led to some uh, friendships between athletes of different uh, communities that would not ordinarily meet each other. It's been a very good idea, and this season the Browns provided free Super Bowl tickets and travel accommodations to build the bridge founders, Max Stevens, Damian Creel, and Kahari Hicks. So that's outstanding. Congratulations to them. Coaches were also selected 
as the inaugural recipients of the Browns Inspire Change Jim Brown Changemakers Award. So outstanding work all the way around. Thank you all. And I'll pause now for some, uh, some of our sponsors for our show. And Johnny Cleveland will provide messages, especially for those that are on the, uh, the uh, Sound Only podcasts and Spotify and all those good things, and Apple. And there's a lot of other platforms that carry our programs. We're grateful to all of you for carrying us and grateful to all the fans for listening to us. So let me take a few minutes to pause. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. And where did we leave off? Okay, so I've talked about this enormous um, potential hit on the salary cap, especially if they decide to terminate Watson's contract early. Now, maybe it won't happen. Maybe they'll just continue Deshaun Watson's contract as it is currently laid out and decide that they're happy with him and continue to pay him $64 million or so, uh, you know, extend him out, um, you know, keep on extending him as long as they can. Um, but how much is it worth? Is it really worth that much for a, a very good quarterback? I don't want to use the term franchise quarterback because it doesn't mean anything. There's a very good article that you can read uh, on the Internet. It was produced by Ben Fox in the uh, August 31 edition of USA Today. It's entitled, How Much Is Every NFL Quarterback Worth Against the Spread? And um, so he asked a bunch of gamblers that he knew, you know, more or less experts, I guess, to rank the NFL quarterbacks versus the spread. How much do they impact the spread? And this would include not just the quarterback's ability but also would take into account, well, how good is the backup behind him? And um, so we won't mention who the backup is, but if your backup is really bad and the starter is really good, then that would be a big impact. Anyway, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and this is at the beginning of the season. Of course, it changes as you go along and learn more about the team. Uh, Mahomes was rated at 6.75 points. I think if you redid that today, it would be a lot lower because the Chiefs are having problems on offense. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow were worth, uh, uh, yeah, excuse me, that's not right. Mahomes was rated over 7. I, I think it's 7.5. I think I put the wrong number there. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow were 6.75. Others followed from there. Deshaun Watson was rated at five points. They had him rated pretty highly. So five points against the spread is pretty good. Uh, at that time, he was being compared against Joshua Dobbs. Not half bad. Uh, I mentioned Geno Smith a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, he was not rated that highly, and one of the reasons was, according to one of the judges, that 
they thought that Drew Locke is a pretty good backup. So they thought, well, you know, if they lose Geno Smith, they've got a pretty decent um, backup. So we don't think that l losing Geno is going to necessarily impact that team too much. There is going to be some difference. They agree that Geno was a better starter than Drew, but they thought that Drew was going to be pretty good if he had to come in. So, all right. Now, this is according to me uh, at the bottom, uh, for those who have visual. But I think that Deshaun Watson is, is, in fact, the best quarterback on the Browns roster. He will, in fact, regain his full 100% health. And he's probably worth more than Joe Flacco for an individual game. And remember also that Deshaun Watson is younger than Joe Flacco. I don't know that we really want Joe Flacco to play 17 games and then play in the playoffs. Um, but anyway, for an individual game, I think that Deshaun Watson is probably worth two points more than Flacco. Three more than Dorian Thompson. Yeah, I misspelled that. Sorry, Dorian. Dorian Thompson-Robinson and six more than P.J. Walker. I think there's a big difference between DTR and P.J. I thought that all along. thought it was a mistake to start P.J. Walker over DTR. I think uh, DTR has uh, excellent qualifications to be a starter in the NFL. Uh, well, by starter, I mean that he's good enough to start a few games in the NFL. I have my doubts whether at his size, and remember he weighs like 205 pounds or something like that, I'm not sure that he's big enough to make it through a 17-game season, but I think as a backup for a couple of games, he's probably a very formidable quarterback, and he can probably do a lot of the things that Deshaun Watson can do, execute a lot of the same type of plays that Deshaun Watson can, can play. So, yeah, I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is like halfway between Watson and P.J. But I also think that P.J. Uh, can lead a team. He showed that against San Francisco. He started in one against the San Francisco 49ers, who are supposed to be the best team in the NFL, and I think they are the best team in the NFL. So P.J. was really good enough to win. So I think the Browns are very well stocked at the quarterback position. It's not all about the quarterback. Uh, one of the conclusions that I would have is that over-investing in the quarterback is probably not a good idea. It is worth it to pay the quarterback a lot of money in order to have a good one, but not to overpay. And all right, so let me make a, an, another point, is that I believe that on defense, Miles Garrett is probably worth about four to six points, about the same as Deshaun Watson. In fact, most people would probably agree with that. I would tend more to, to the six points rather than the four. I would say the same thing about players like T.J. Watt, Micah Parsons, or Montez Sweat. All of these players earn about half of what Deshaun Watson earns. So I believe, this is just my opinion, that the rest of the NFL is screwed up in paying too much for quarterbacks and probably not enough for premier defensive ends. Now, let's talk about the counter-argument about that. Now, this is what I'm talking about for uh, one game 
in uh, December of 2023. But you might argue, being a general manager, let's say, well, I think that the quarterback is going to last longer than the defensive end. So if I'm going to sign somebody to a four- or five-year contract, I don't know that I'm going to sign a defensive end to that contract, but I would sign the quarterback to a long-term deal because I think the quarterback is going to last longer. And I think that might be a valid point. That might be the reason why you're willing to take the risk on the quarterback rather than the defensive end, is that you're not necessarily believing that the defensive end is going to sustain his high performance for the next five years. <clears throat> if we look at this list that I've given you of um, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Micah Parsons, and Montez Sweat, look again in five years, they may not be at the top of their profession five years from now. The quarterbacks, if we listed the top five quarterbacks, they might still be at the top of their profession. So, hmm. Nevertheless, I would say that they, the Cleveland Browns probably overvalued the services of Deshaun Watson by about a factor of two. And then trading away all those draft picks in addition to that uh, probably pushed it to more like three times. They should not have given up that many draft picks plus all of that uh, salary cap um, that was just crazy. It was one of the largest um, bad trades in NFL history. It was not necessarily the most out-and-out -out, uh, dumb trades, but it was galaxy class because it was such a huge trade. There was so much draft capital and so much money involved. There hasn't been a deal that was as big and as dumb and uh, I just think it was a, a very large blunder. I do not blame this on Deshaun Watson one little bit. I want to make that very clear. I'm still a fan of Deshaun. still think that he's a very good quarterback. I have no problem rooting for him as a member of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think that the front office has done a lot of really good things, including uh, finding Joe Flacco. But, you know, this this is a really big mistake. Uh, they don't get everything right in football. You never do. But this one deal was really a bad one. Um, hopefully they'll be able to get five good years out of Deshaun Watson. If they decide to terminate it early, it's going to be a very difficult process and it's going to take it's going to take a you know two two very lean years before the team can recover. So let's just hope that somehow Deshaun is able to turn things around and or at least stay at the top of his game for a long time. That's really what the Browns need to have happen in order for this to work out. Um, all right, let's talk about Flacco mania. Flacco mania did shock me and how fast Joe Flacco was able to pick up the Browns offense. Not necessarily that he did pick it up, but that he did so so quickly. Uh, does that mean that Joe is a franchise quarterback and we need to throw $30 million at him in order to stay in Cleveland? I would say no. I don't think any team will give him that kind of money to be their franchise quarterback, and I've given you the reasons. I don't think that they will believe that he can play at that level for 17 games and playoffs. However, I believe that he is better than uh, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I believe that he is 
significantly better than P.J. Walker. I think that if he wants to be the backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, that they should certainly make him an offer that might have um, uh, bonuses in it in case he has to play games. Uh, it might be based on the number of snaps that he takes, things like that. But uh, I'm not sure that that's what he wants to do. He might decide that he'll retire again, and if somebody wants him, he'll unretire if the right situation comes about. So I'm not sure what will happen. He may, I think he likes Cleveland. It's been a great season for him. I'm not sure whether he will automatically resign just because this experience has been so great. I think he may decide that he'll try to repeat the strategy of last year, wait for the phone to ring if he gets a good starting opportunity uh, due to injuries on, on a good team. Um, also, I would say this, that he's scored a lot of points. He's done very, very well, but he's also scored a few points for the opposition. So it's not been all sweetness and, and light. It's been a different style of play than we had at the beginning of the year. So he's scoring a lot of points. These are higher scoring games than we're used to. The over-under should probably be bounced upward by three or four points compared to what we've seen in the early part of the season. He impacts that uh, significantly. It's just a different style of play. We're no longer just trying to hold on to the ball and trying to let the defense win. Uh, we're putting the ball up for grabs sometimes and figuring that we're going to make more yards uh, and it's worth taking the risk of uh, interceptions. So, um, yeah, I want to talk. I'm still grumpy that we don't have more backup options. Deshaun Watson is somewhat better and he is a lower injury risk than Flacco. Even though Deshaun Watson himself is not all that super healthy, Deshaun Watson, let's not forget, is doing it on two, not just one, but two repaired ACLs, and now he's got shoulder surgery. That's not great for a quarterback. He's not the healthiest guy that uh, we could imagine for the position. But uh, he is healthier, I think, than Flacco. He's certainly younger. He has a chance to, up, you know, to recover and um, and still have uh, a, a full season. But I don't know that it's really. It doesn't strike me that that's a two hundred thirty million dollar investment. DTR also is, you know, young. We like that, but he's undersized. He is a bit of a dual threat, but I don't know that I want to have him be tackled all that often because he's so small. He needs to learn to protect himself and the ball. Um, probably, I didn't finish the thought here, but probably he needs to be a backup and probably not a long-term solution as a starter. And then... P.J. Walker, same comment really as DTR. He's undersized. He's elusive. He's not as fast as DTR, but he is elusive. He's not really a dual threat at the NFL level. I think that he is capable of leading a team. He, he, is, he does have that, uh, that X factor at quarterback, but he's not going to be a dual threat, in, and he is somebody that should be invited to compete for that number three position. And uh, if we can sign him to the practice squad, great, let's do it. I want to see 
actually three players on the active uh, squad. And um, I want to see another guy at the practice squad level. There's no reason not to do that because there are 16 players now in the practice squad. One of them should be a quarterback. We have uh, more injury risk at quarterback than most of the teams at the NFL. We need to recognize that fact and prepare for it. So, all right, so Flacco, not a franchise quarterback. Watson, a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. We need to have uh, plans to prepare to deal with injuries at that position. That's just who we are at the Cleveland Browns. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay, I want to conclude with one more. The Broncos fans are going to suffer before the Browns fans. So let's watch this situation. Uh, the Browns fan, the Broncos are going to take their salary cap hit in 2024 and 2025 unless they decide to patch things up with Russell, restructure his contract, and make him the starter again. That's still a possibility, but it really sounds like they're deciding that they're going to part ways with him. Um, they're going to have draft picks and uh, cap space again in 2026. They're, you know, that says to me that it's going to be pretty miserable in 2025 for them. Um, the Browns, remember, they're carrying some excess cap space that they can carry over into next season. But they really have three years that they've got to pay large amounts of money to Deshaun Watson, 2024, 2025, and 2026. It's possible that they can keep the window open in 2024, but the carryover funds uh, from 2023 are going to be all gone after 2024. And so 2025 and 2026 are going to be very lean, and especially if they decide that they want to... uh, you know, cut ties with Watson uh, and start a rebuilding process, they're going to take the cap hit, and it's going to be a big one. So if that happens, they're going to be doing it with uh, a lot of um, NFL minimum players, and uh, they'll be trying to stash away draft picks and saving cap space like they did in the 2017-2016 time frame. It's going to be just like the Sashi Brown years, so hopefully not quite that bad. But it's going to be, uh, those are going to be hard years. Right now, 2023 and probably 2024 are going to be good years for the Cleveland Browns. This is the time that the window for the playoffs is open, and uh, that's what we hope This is our time. It's not going to be forever. The Browns have always thought that they were going to uh, have a a period of overspending in which they contend for the playoffs, and then there would be a rebuilding cycle. So they've always planned that, and uh, it's it's not been the same business plan as like uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore where they feel like they can win and be a contender every season. That's not the way the Browns planned it. And um, they've always thought that there would be a recharging period that would last 
two or three years before they could contend again. So that may be coming up, and it may not be pleasant. So that's that's 2020 or 2024 in the future. Um, I think 2024 might be the last year that the Browns can contend. I hope I'm wrong about that. But uh, let's enjoy the playoff run this year. This, you know, we never know if it'll come around again. And uh, this season, there's every reason to think that the Browns will have a puncher's chance in every playoff game that they that they survive one one game at a time. Let's just see what happens. It's going to be a, this is going to be a memorable season. All right. Well, happy New Year, everybody. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Ta-ta for now.